I am Josh Israel, and you are here with the ACO Show. I am joined, as always, by my favorite co-host, Brian Chiglinski. I do know that we said at our prior show that that was the last show of season four, but we got called back on for an encore. We are the Bruce Springsteen of podcasts, and we are back here for one more. Brian, why are we doing one more this week? Yeah, so aside from my rendition of Thunder Road, in fact, we're actually here for a conversation with an investor from Lightspeed Venture Partners, Dr. Gollum Imabayev. Gollum's here to share some great news, which is that Holiday recently closed a Series F funding round of $260 million. It was led by Gollum's firm, Lightspeed Venture Partners, and it was this rare moment where not only was our team unusually transparent about the funding round, what led to it, and what our goals are for, for getting that money back into community primary care. Also, Gollum's team was incredibly transparent about what they saw in Allidade, what they saw in what the work we're trying to do and how these resources can really help power the flywheels that we work under to make sure that more resources are getting directly to primary care practices who need it most. Yeah, I know you and I love it here. You and I believe in this company, but it's complicated. So it was certainly impressive to hear when somebody is able to understand what we do, understand the vision, and we are glad they're joining us for this journey to improve healthcare. So he's an impressive person and a fan of the show. We were glad to have him on. Let's get to it and we will see you back in the fall. And now we're joined by Dr. Gollum Imabayev from Lightspeed Venture Partners. How are you doing, Gollum? I'm doing well. Very delighted to be on here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Well, let's start a little bit just about you and what brought you to Lightspeed in the first place. And, and what do you guys focus on in the companies that you support in your portfolio? Sure. So what brought me to Lightspeed, if it's okay, if you don't mind, I'll take a little bit of a all the way step back of a chronological order. So I was born in Kazakhstan. I grew up in childhood actually following my father, who was in charge of health reform in Kazakhstan. And it was my first kind of formative experience of getting to understand the power that medicine has on, on communities at large. And so my family, when we moved to the States, that kind of passion for medicine continued. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, went to Stanford for undergrad, was your classic pre-med kid. I did econ as a major though. And that was my probably only thing that was not the standard at the time. But I was going to take a gap year, do the research year like everybody else had done, but decided to serendipitously take a, a role at a venture firm for a summer. And I enjoyed it so much because at one point, we were investing in technologies and companies that my professors were founding from Stanford. And I thought, wow, that's that's fascinating. Now I'm on the other side helping them when they were the ones teaching me. So just the, the dynamism of venture capital, I think really excited me. At that point, I actually still went back to school, did the MD, MBA degrees at Stanford, really enjoyed that. But what ultimately brought me to Lightspeed is I lost a deal to Lightspeed. I was working on a deal that I thought I had in hand. And, and I was surprised at first because Lightspeed at that time, I did not think did much healthcare. And so when, so when I kind of ran up the flagpole, realized I lost to someone who was, you know, 40 years, my senior experience, several companies that has had multi-billion dollar exits. I thought, okay, I feel, I feel good that that's the person that ultimately I lost the deal to. But they, at that point, they mentioned that they are building out a dedicated healthcare team. And the way that they thought about healthcare from investing on both early stage, growth stage, life sciences, health tech services was a very, I think, ambitious, but also opportunistic, also flexible approach, which I think is the right way to think about investing in healthcare if you want to deploy large sums of dollars in a, in a portfolio approach. And I can go into that a little bit more, but that's kind of all what led me to Lightspeed. 
Yeah, and what do you think differentiates Lightspeed from any other venture capital firm? I think what differentiates us in some in several capacities. One is the origins of the firm started in deep tech enterprise and were very much, I would say, focused on always first principles approaches and, and usually very technical approaches. So any, any new sector that we've gone into, whether it's consumer, fintech, healthcare, it's always been having that same kind of originating ethos. And so even when we looked at Allidate, it was to always from the first principles perspective, where's the need? Who's delivering it? What are the principles? What are the driving factors that are leading to that objective? And just work backwards. Second, I think, unlike most funds, we can we have the privilege, I think, with the size of funds and uh, and the LP base that we have, is to invest across stages. And what it, it's very difficult usually. I think what makes it unique is we have the mindset of venture capital, the diligence of venture capital. The, the long-term patience of venture capital. But now with the capital base that we have, we can invest though it's at stages that are usually reserved for crossover funds, private equity funds, larger funds. And what that enables us to do is then flex into higher, more higher traction companies like Allidade while still evaluating it from a venture perspective. Most folks won't find opportunities. And honestly, there aren't that many great overlap opportunities where you can say, hey, look, this is a company that is you know, has high traction, is one of the leading companies in the sector. And yet we believe there's a venture story still to be had. You know, this is just the beginning. And I think our ability to kind of dream the dream with the founder, while also look at the kind of the fundamentals, first principles, I, I, I think allows us more flexibility than most ventures. So mo most ventures, most venture capital funds won't make a first time investment at, at a series F. And most kind of private equity players might not evaluate the long-term opportunity appropriately, and hence they kind of crowd themselves out by themselves. And so that creates a very unique spot for us and our kind of way of investing. LD is not a new company. This was a Series F. We've raised a number of rounds before, but the way you all talk about making this investment is with that long-term venture lens. What what kind of drew your attention to Allidade specifically and, and what, what made you guys want to join at this late stage in the company's growth? Yeah. So I would say it's interesting, late stage relative, but we think, you know, it's obviously in the first yeah, many stages to come. Yeah. But yes. But I would say a few things. I mean, one, we've been tracking the space for some time, right? You know, when we, when we started meeting the team, we're you know, all of the messaging was coming already on prepared ears. We knew about value-based care. We knew about CMS's commitment to get to all of its, all Medicare under value-based care arrangements of some kind by 2030. There was just strong, massive tailwinds within a market that we knew was absolutely going going to be transformed. We also, I think what was helpful, frankly, having Agilon and Privy as public companies and seeing not just how they are performing relative to Allidate, but also how they are being, how that performance is being rewarded and judged by public market investors is a strong signal. You say, okay. And then when, obviously we believe in Allidate more than those other two players. I know Farzad mentions, you know, fellow travelers. I think that's a great term. I'm going to try to adopt that into my lexicon as well. But when you when we saw, frankly, the performance of Allidate relative, we said, wow, this is, we believe this is the leading company in the space. I'll, I'll highlight, I think, two things that really kind of struck out. One, everybody who we met from the Allidate team just seemed to have a very unifying clarity of vision. And honestly, it's once you hear someone explain clarity of vision well, it sets a bar and everything under that is like, you're oftentimes as investors, we find situations where we're trying, where we're like, 
almost, I, I guess, like motivating the founder with what we think the clarity of, with what the vision should be. And once you find yourself the one prodding it, that's that's not good. In this case, it was all coming unified. We didn't have to prod in terms of where this would go. And it's and clarity of vision is not just like having a very salesman way of how you deliver it. It's it's talking about where it's very clearly persuading and convincingly demonstrating with data. Here's where the market is today. Here's where Allidate sits in this market. Here's where the market is going to be heading towards. Here's what other players are doing. Here's what we're going. Here's how we're going to be positioned in that future Act Two and Act Three. And in those Act Two and Three, here's what we're doing today that's enabling the product or the service depth to accomplish those. It really is a comprehensive exercise. So by clarity of vision, that's what everybody on your guys' team has just been very, very clear about that. Um, and then the second thing, you know, from a venture perspective, we like to find opportunities, I think, for flywheels. There's so many definitions of flywheel, but flywheels are just essentially things that eat into themselves one thing leads to the next. And, you, and, and by doing so, you gain operating leverage. You're able to grow at a more efficient way. Um, and sustain growth, even though you're already so large. I mean, that's what that's the purpose of flywheels. And for us, you know, we usually most companies we find we back usually have one flywheel. We get really excited when we see opportunities that have two flywheels. With Allidade, we legitimately and we we have the evidence, you know, from from diligence we've done. We believe there's there are three that there are three flywheels. And once we saw evidence of several of them, it just made us to believe that this is a venture story. This is these flywheels are some are pretty mature, some are definitely demonstrating, and some are just emerging. But they are three. And for us, you know, we cover them a little bit on our blog post. But one is around network flywheel, essentially how Allidate executes, you know, just an exceptional practice outreach playbook. The second one is around engagement. You know, you know, unlike like other value-based care enablement companies, I think Allidate already services all three, all the major business lines. And then as you're able to build up the practice panel and have more representation of the practice patients that are covered by Allidate under the risk-bearing arrangement, that just continues to fuel more engagement by practice because they have just more, more at stake. And then finally, the data flywheel. How you're able to integrate one to the one data source from the providers, but then from the partnering hospitals, all those pings, it just enables you to, it basically helps both upstream and downstream players in the ecosystem to feel more incentivized to provide data and further integrate. And so that's the data flywheel. All three together, I think, just creates foundation, knowing that there is a large time to be had for the future. I think creates a kind of the blueprint for a multi-generational company and to and, ju- and just sustainable, productive, efficient growth for the future. So investing in value-based care, and particularly in accountable care organizations, I wonder more about how you do your due diligence. I had to be working at Allidate for about six months before I even understood what we were doing here. You know, so how did, how did you put that together to a degree of confidence enough to invest in it? Oh, gosh, the patience by your management team to inform us <laughs> of all of the, the here's it's funny, the very first conversation I had with Farzad, at the end of that conversation, you know, we had a good rapport, everything, but Farzad says, Gollum, you, you know, this is, this is going to take you some time to unpack, like, are you guys like fully ready for this? Because if you're not, it's better just kind of not to waste our time. And so we accepted that challenge. We are already, as I mentioned, we were somewhat prepared ears, but Allidade, and when you get deeper into value-based care, it's an onion, right? Every time you peel one layer, there's another layer. Um, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of technicalities. 
as well. And so I think for us, it honestly, you just need to take the time. And I'm just honestly grateful for for the team, everybody from the finance team through the policy team, commercial team. I mean, everybody just gave us a lot of time to to learn. I mean, we went back and forth. I don't know how many, if you counted, it'd be interesting, actually. That, that'd be an interesting exercise to find out how many hours we actually spent together. I don't know. It, it was a lot. And, and it's not just that. It's also like besides doing the work and understanding the company, we, we did customer calls, like separate, both introduced by you guys and, you know, our own little snooping around. We did that. We also talked to all of your, to most of your investors as well, to be able to say like, okay, as the, like, we wanted to see whether the messaging was consistent with investors. And it's okay when there's not, um, it needs to be centrally, it needs to be directionally on the same direction. You don't want them all to be the same because it sounds like it's rehearsed, but you want, but you don't want any detractors. And that was all consistent as well from 2014, I believe when Venrock joined all the way through kind of the last few investors. One audience that I, I want to touch on a little bit is is the the practices we work with and the primary care professionals working across the country. I think one of the things, you know, if, if you work in a practice day after day, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, I think one of the things you start to see is there's a, a lot of money sloshing around the system. There's a lot of, especially money now coming into primary care types of organizations. And I think there is, you know, probably rightly some skepticism about what does this mean for me? What does this mean for how I deliver care to my patients every day? You know, I'm my staff and I are pretty burned out after getting through the pandemic and really trying to care for our community. How is how is this money? How should we think about firms like yours coming in to really make these investments and how will how will they change our day-to-day practice of medicine? Yeah, I think that's a great question. If I am kind of sitting in the shoes of, you know, I'm an outlet practice, I'm listening new lead investor comes in, what does that mean? What's what's the motive? There's a lot of other dollars coming in. I think it's very important here to understand, aside from the company, like obviously I'm talking to, I'm going to pretend I'm talking to a physician practice right now, right? I'm saying, you know the, the messaging from Allidate, you've heard, you've seen how they've helped you, so on and so forth. So the question is, all right, who are these like new set of investors? What does that mean? I think the most important thing is like, okay, let's find out like what did these investors stand for and what is that, and how does that impact potentially Allidate and then enhance the practice? I would say one of the things, again, I feel very proud of, our central motto within the healthcare's, within Lightspeed's healthcare team is patient impact. We believe if we create massive patient impact, invariably value, value will follow. And because we're venture investors, we have that long-term patient capital mindset where say, patient, just, just focus on patient value, all right? Invariably, that value will flow to both the practices and then you know through, through the success of everybody, hopefully up to light speed as well. And I think what's important is like, what, what would have been the alternative, right? The alternative could be a different fund, that is a crossover fund that wants to have a four-year hold and they would want, they would pressure Allidate to go public. We have no pressure. The team knows best when to go ahead and do that, if and when they want to even do that. So no pressure. We can hold the capital for longer and hence we can focus on more long-term value for the practice and for the and for Allidate. And so in situations where most may be pressuring our feedback to Farzad and the, and the whole management team is the opposite. It's not to be like, hey, just get these numbers right now because in this year, you're going to do this. It's more to say like, hey, invest whatever makes the independent physician practice happy. Invest in the services, in the technology, 
uh, the round ended up, and and Farzad publicly has mentioned that it, it it got much larger than what it initially was originally planned to be. Most investors, again, I'll tell you, most investors will say, no, 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 we don't. If we don't need to make it larger, we we'll, we'd rather have higher ownership at this time of this round, right? We didn't take that route. We said, look, we're playing for the long term, big picture. Patient impact will be built with more investment into the physician practices, into the tooling, and that invariably will will make everybody whole. That's to me, frankly, like I am an MD by training myself, right? So like I've I, I've gone through these rotations, I've seen this. I I have family who are in healthcare. It's like if you do it any other way on outside of long term, it's either you're gonna hurt people, you're going to create distrust or misalignment, or three, you're actually just gonna have low returns. For us, like, look, at the end of the day, we have to drive returns. That's that's my job for, for my LPs. But there's no dichotomy here. And as long as you have a long-term vision and you have a partnership and, a, and, a, and an LP base that believes in that, you're good. Most funds don't have that. That's, again, that's why I feel pretty lucky. And that's why we're able to do this. So anyway, that's my little spiel on that. I think one of the things I want to touch on real quick is just the connection. As you're talking, it's reminding me a lot of a conversation that Farzad recently had with Brian Roberts on our show just a couple episodes ago, where the theme there also from Brian Roberts, one of our very first investors and, and members of board was focus on the long-term vision and focus on making change in the long-term. And so to hear not only you know a couple episodes ago, someone who was there at the very beginning of Validate, but to hear you and your team also sharing that sense of let's focus on the long-term, what we're trying to do in terms of patient impact and the short-term decisions we can get through, but focus on the long-term impact. I think it's, it's refreshing to be able to hear that. And I think it's it's something that you're not always hearing in terms of, of the financing world, that the long-term vision is really what, what leads to success and what leads to the best impact. It's just it's just structurally the financing world for the outside world. They come in to think, oh, these are investors. We are broken up into so many different profiles. Just like there's personas of customers, there's so many personas of investors. And because of that, you know, I don't even fault funds that have to operate in a different way. It's just either that's their in their performance or that's their arrangements. Can you say more about the thinking that goes into long-term investing in a late-stage company? You know, a Series F wouldn't seem to naturally go along with somebody looking for a long-term investment. Yeah, so for that, basically, usually when you're investing at later stages, this goes pretty widely. The the return expectations are are set for a growth stage. So, you know, venture as seed and Series A investors, you make a bunch of investments with high-risk hoping that, you know, out of the 10, two really hit it off, three are okay, and the half fail, or even worse. And that is the venture model, and it works. For us, when we invest at later stage, obviously, the mindset then shifts. But remember, for those venture, for those two that succeed, they need to be like, you know, ma- you know massive successes. In our case, when you come in at the later stage, you're already coming at a valuation that reflects the success and the progress of the company. So we are much more de-risked. But we also view that we can put more dollars at a more de-risked asset that will also then, but but one that we believe will grow and get a healthy return for us. So when you're coming at the later stage, then the market size becomes more and more important, right? So it is if you're coming in at a company that's already generating you know over four hundred million dollars in revenues, you better believe that they can 
triple, quintuple, 10x that over the long term. And the good thing is with with the market that Allidate sits in, that is very much something that we got convinced on. So let's say market size. The other thing we look at very clearly and more distinctly at, at later stage is quality of the team and maturity of the team. Because we can we can let a lot of things slip, slip at the seed series A where the teams are just growing. It's just a few founders. But at this point, we look for teams that can kind of predict where regulations are going, have an input on that, have pretty much all the functions be very well staffed and have a deep bench. And that's something with, with Allidate, we found, you know, team members on management team that themselves could be C-suite level kind of CEOs, frankly, of public companies. And when you see that, you you feel good that you're in good hands. There's a few other areas, but I think like it's it really like math-wise, market size has to be big. And then kind of execution-wise, the team has to have kind of demonstrated that up to now. So I guess what I'd like to spend about the next hour or so discussing is the, the role that this podcast played in the investment. Oh, I mean, honestly, huge shout out to you guys. Huge. Because it wasn't, what, seven, eight months? Yeah, about about eight months ago, I started looking to, I mean, I've already been aware of value-based care, but I, but I was looking for more information. And I have a long commute. I have like a 50-minute commute. I work from home half of the week, but the other half of the week, I'm on the road or have to drive. And so that's that creates like perfect the ACO show episodes for each way. Maybe I can still squeeze in two if I increase my speed. And honestly, within like two, three months, you, you guys, one, not only brought me up to speed in, ter- in terms of the field, but also just, I feel like I got to know intimately the business and several members of the business. So by the time I was talking to Forzato, I was like, hey, I already talked to you. I already like, I already heard from you many, many times. So I think it did play a big role. I think founders should be doing that more often. If, especially when there are more complex businesses. I think it, it honestly, I feel like I learned like half of my diligence through the show. And so it's, it primed the diligence process in a way that I think would have just taken us longer. So kudos to you guys. I, it's a great service to the industry, honestly, what you guys are doing. I mean, don't, far be it for me to cut you off from from praising us, but also want to shout out our great production team of Stuart Taylor, Leanne Horst, and Alana Coogan, who helped make these episodes happen every couple of weeks. Yeah, Lam, you talked about the impressive leadership here at Allidade. And I want to add, when I first proposed this podcast, that I first proposed starting it four years ago, there were people within the company who thought that we should not do it. The concern was that we would be revealing trade secrets maybe giving away our competitive advantage by revealing what we're working on, or just that it would be risky in the sense that anytime you speak publicly, you could say something that puts you at regulatory risk, or someone may, someone might say something unflattering about the company. And Farzad came out strongly that we should have this show. His stance was that we don't have a secret. The American healthcare system is full of perverse incentives that reward the wrong kind of medical care, and we need to realign it so that the incentives truly favor better health. And this means more preventive care. It means the right data at the right time. It means putting primary care doctors in their rightful place at the center of the system. And it's not a secret. The hard part is execution and implementation and sticking to our mission as we move against a a status quo that is an enormous part of the U.S. economy. And we're going to be transparent about it and willing to take some risks to get there. And we're going to be comfortable talking about it publicly. So that this podcast even exists, I'd say, fits with Farzad's vision for improving healthcare. No, I I agree. Look, I, I think this is just, we have so much to improve 
healthcare on. We need to spread. I think a particularly Alanis focus on small and medium-sized practices is going to be, I think, what is a true show whether this can be a truly national multi-generational company. So agree. Yeah. And I think your presence here, your team's ability to be very transparent in your thinking, both in the blog post and in joining us today and talking through the process, I think it also speaks to that value of, of really demystifying some of the work that goes into trying to really help change the healthcare system and reorient it towards one that works better for patients, practices, and society. So Gallum, we greatly appreciate you joining us. This is technically the season finale of season four of the ACO show. So we will be back this fall with more episodes, but we really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us today. Nice. Well, thank you so much. Happy to be the cap on the season and look forward to staying in touch. You're on Team Elevate now. The ACO show will be taking a summer break. But we'll be back in the fall with a full season of new shows, new topics, and new guests. This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of The ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join us next time.